The following episode of the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, includes advertising provided by our network, GCN. If you'd like to subscribe to an ad-free version of the program, plus the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, please visit www.theparacast.plus. That's P-L-U-S. Once again, that's www.theparacast.plus. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Before we're joined once again by Brian Young, whom, as you know, studies the paranormal, but also is an expert on boxing and wrestling, which may be paranormal subjects depending on your point of view. But before we do that, Tim and I want to talk about one thing Tim, you've been following in our forums the discussion over the controversial book by the Lay and Harris Trinity, I gather, right? Oh, sure. A guy named George Wingfield, who's been on the show, by the way, Mm -hmm. and has a theory that some of these events were government experiments, he is saying, long and short, is that the Trinity episode in 1945 was some kind of government experiment, possibly with chimpanzees. What's your take on that? Oh, well, we've heard that before. You know, Nick Redfern had a very similar explanation for the Roswell incident in one of his books that they were using uh, basically handicapped people from, you know, like local asylums and stuff for test flights. And we do know that NASA... You know, we're using rhesus monkeys and and eventually uh, chimps. Ham the chimp was probably the most famous one known. But in 1945, that seems to be a little too early for me, for the United States to be testing uh, uh, rockets and things like that. Now, you know, I suppose it could be a situation where they may have been testing, say, like some of the uh, early versions of uh, what is it what a, a jet fighter has the explosive escape uh, if the plane's in jeopardy and you know it shoots the uh, the pilot out i mean i know that they were experimenting things like that fairly early on but i don't know it just seems to me that it's just a little too early uh, for those kind of experiments to have been taking place an ejection seat that's correct listen The thing also is we're talking about 1945. I think this was rather early to be experimenting Mm -hmm. with anything. We're trying to finish up this war and to start getting involved in all this side stuff seems a stretch. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's I, I think that people are just trying to. And, you know, bless his heart, I mean, I'm as big a fan of, of, of Jacques Vallée as, as you are, Gene. And I think that some people are, you know, trying to find, you know, some sort of explanation so as not to make him look bad for joining up with uh, Paula Harris. 
to do this book, but no, I, I, I doubt if there was any kind of experiments along those lines you know, taking place, I think that Trinity was a hoax and that they got roped into it. I mean, it happens to the best of us. Unfortunately, Valet and Harris are maintaining a bunker mode. They're not responding to criticisms other than the original one. This critical article came out. Valet had a response, which we also quoted in the Paracast forums. And that was it. When I wrote to Paula Harris and Jacques Vallée, she said no more interviews because of the low level of the conversation. And I don't think criticizing something that is to be disputed is a low level unless you attack somebody. I didn't see personal attacks. Now, maybe I missed some of the online commentary because we know that some people are ruthless about things like that. But the commentaries that I read were pretty straightforward and straight ahead. Yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen some negative trolling, you know, comments taking place, and I can't, you know, I can't really say that I blame them because, okay, you know, I mean, you 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 issue your statement in your defense, whatever, and then everything else is just, I mean, it just. It's 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 beating a dead horse, <laughs> you know. I mean, you can you you can just go on and on and on with it, and you know, people will just keep keep coming at you about it. And after a while, it's just like, okay, enough is enough. So, I mean, I I can see why they would just you know make their make their statement and then be you know be like, well, that's it. You know, we're we're you know we're we're not going to get into it anymore because you know it's just it's it's pointless. Brian, have you followed any of the controversy over the book Trinity? A, a little bit. Uh, and I, I do have to say the one thing that stood out to me, much like Tim said, and before I even go on, thank you again for having me back, is if 45 seemed a little too early for the chimp experiments. I don't think the U.S. Air Force or any government officials are doing that until at least the mid-50s. As far as I know, yeah, that's that's correct, and it, and it, the Air Force didn't even exist until what you know it didn't exist in 1945. It would have been what what was it the Army, uh, Army Air Force or you know, something like that. It was it was its own own thing. But yeah, they they weren't you know involved in any kind of of you know rocketry experiments or anything like that. However, I also have to say. 1945 was a very weird year with, let's just say, scientists from different countries ending up in different countries and experiments happening and things going on that we'll never know. Yeah, that's a lot of that, especially after the war ended, where scientists went to different countries. The spoils of war, shall we say, what they might have been. There is some... Some people who probably should have been executed ended up getting very good, cushy jobs. <laughs> you know, yes, like that that, that shows you a double standards, definitely. But I guess they figured this way: look, they can contribute. They could be on careful watch if they pull any stunts. They're toast. They'll die under mysterious circumstances, perhaps. <laughs> but if they behave themselves, they can make a contribution become famous, rich, all that good stuff. 
Yeah. So who knows what was going on in 45? I mean, and, and, you know, let's face it. A lot of things that happened after the war, there's no way any of that's ever going to come out. And I'm not trying to sound like I'm a conspiracy theorist guy, but you think they really kept records of a lot of stuff they were doing right after the war? I don't think so. <laughs> we do know that uh, the United States brought over captured uh, uh, V-2 rockets, uh, yeah. but I'd have to look up and see just exactly when they actually did some uh, 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 test flights uh, there in the uh, uh, the Southwest with the uh, V-2, but I don't think it was as early as 1945. I think that that was later, you know, because, you know, it's like you said, I mean, th- we were still trying to uh, uh, clean things up from uh, the end of the war and the, you know, certain scientists and intelligent officers that were being brought into the United States, you know, they had to be debriefed for for quite a while and as gene said you know you 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 behave yourself or you know you'll you know, end up mysteriously disappeared somewhere yeah see my question would be when did they bring things over and start experimenting them and when did they admit to doing that mm. well i would think at the tail end of the war i would think at the tail end of the war it would have taken months or years to get things together. It's not something that happens overnight. The end of a war has to be chaotic. They have to figure out what's happening, who's going where, how they're going to divvy up the spoils of the war, that sort of thing. Of course, there was heavy competition, probably a lot of quiet skullduggery to be involved because skullduggery should always be on the quiet side. Brian Young is joining us. He's an expert on boxing and wrestling and a student of the paranormal. I didn't say paranormal wrestling. We have to there wonder is about such a that. Thing. <laughs> well, in terms of paranormal boxing, we know that the late Muhammad Ali was interested and saw a UFO. So I guess absolutely we can call that. He believed wholeheartedly. He saw a UFO. He believed in, in UFOs wholeheartedly. That's what he told me. I interviewed him way back when. Brian, Gene, and Tim, you're in the Paracast. Hey listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience, so I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Attention, your money is now controlled by the U.S. government. Picture a world where your every purchase is monitored, tracked, and controlled by those in power to suppress the freedoms of those they see fit. Hi, my name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. And right now, I become very focused on the impending rollout of the central bank digital currency. This is not a work of fiction. It's a terrifying reality looming on the horizon. 
But there is a bit of good news. I've partnered with Advantage Gold to offer you a solution. They are specialists in converting your traditional assets, like those inside an IRA or 401k, into tangible assets such as physical gold and silver. Don't allow your money to be controlled. Claim your free gold protection kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Call 800-900-8000. Every day we take steps to keep the people we love safe, but some health risks are easy to miss. Ticks hiding in the yard can spread germs, like the ones that cause Lyme disease. Mice searching for food can spread bacteria that makes us sick. Mosquitoes lay eggs in standing water and can spread West Nile virus and more. Cockroaches are drawn to water in the home, leaving behind allergens that can trigger asthma attacks. Common pests can threaten our health. Learn how to protect your family at pestworld.org. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp-made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So I'll just throw that out. Why do you think someone as esteemed as a Jacques Vallée would get caught up in something that... Paula Harris got involved in. It's not that she has a stellar reputation for accuracy of reporting. Brian, what do you think? I think sometimes you just get caught up in things and don't realize they're going to blow up and be as big as they are. And I think he just, Jack kind of got caught up in the moment. It happens, happens to the best of us. Sometimes you don't really think about who or what you're talking to as well. (laughs) Well, the thing I think, though, is there ought to be some more definitive statements there. The first comments were mostly that the main critic was a Mr. Johnson, wasn't it, Tim? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That the main comments from Jacques were that he had gotten some facts wrong. But the core argument here 
absence of some errors, which we expect from something that happened so long ago, has not been refuted. You know, that this thing really didn't happen. I mean, if you read the writings of Kevin D. Randall in his different perspective, and by the way, Kevin will be back on the Paracast in a few weeks about his new book about the 1952 Washington, D.C. sightings and a lot of other good stuff, that there were lots of interviews in connection with Roswell, and they did, basically, Randall and his cohorts, interview one or two of the people allegedly involved in this Trinity episode and came back unimpressed then. What's well, like a joke that falls dead? <laughs> well, it's like, you know, it's it's like Brian said. I mean, you know, I I remember and it's God, I mean, it's it's been what, 5 years ago that I remember reading initially about this case. And at the time, I mean, it seemed, of course, I didn't do any uh, uh, legwork on it myself, but, uh, you know, I mean, you know, like a lot of stories that, you know, come out, I mean, it, it seemed legitimate. And then there was the, uh, the aspect where there could have been a part of this craft that these kids had actually taken away, and then they hid it under, I think it was like the front porch of their house. And everybody was, you know, kind of like, you know, well, let's uh, uh, let's go back and find where this house was and dig that piece out. And that's kind of like, you know, that's that's the last that uh, that I heard of the story. So, I mean, it, it was an intriguing story at the time. So, I mean, I could see where, uh, you know, investigators like a, a valet would get interested in it. Uh, but like you said, Gene. Teaming up with uh, 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 Paula Harris, you know, may not have been the best, <laughs> the best route for him to take. I, you know, but possibly he let her do all the legwork, and, and then and and then he did some based on his reputation, and now it's blown up in their faces. Kind of sad because Valet's getting a bit on in years and to have him possibly retire or go out after this particular episode is not a good way to to wrap up a career no and i'll tell you the, the sad thing is is that's all it takes uh one mistake um signing on to something that gets you know let's face it what came out might not even be what his research is it might be uh, you know, that he added some stuff to it, but the finished product wasn't necessarily his views. We don't know for sure, but it's going to ruin his reputation for life. That's all it takes is once in, in your credibility shot. Especially in this day and age where you have instant information, instant criticism, and before you have a chance to recover from anything, one single, possibly inadvertent mistake can cause lots of havoc. Yeah, it used to be the other way around. It used to be one great success was all it took. Mm -hmm. There's the great story of um, Peter Bogdanovich talking to Orson Welles about Greta Garbo. And he said to Orson, you know, I, I love Garbo so much. It's just so sad she made so few good films. And Orson Welles said, it only takes one. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, it's the opposite now. And Orson Welles should know. <laughs> well, he had more than one, let's be fair. Uh, okay. <laughs> I prefer him as the shadow on radio. The only thing is here, I read somewhere that the shadows laugh, you know, the <laughs> that kind of thing. I'm not doing it well there, but the laugh from the shadow was made by someone else because Orson Welles couldn't do it. Hmm. If you like old-time radio and Orson Welles, check out the show he did called The Black Museum. Oh, yeah. Great series where he would, uh, they would take an object from Scotland Yard's Black Museum, and every episode Orson Welles would tell a tale of this artifact. Great show. You know, I grew up listening to radio. That ages me. But certainly you didn't have to look at anything. Radio was the theater of the mind. And I got to see how they wrote radio scripts just from listening. They would always say, I will pick up this object on the left side of the room next to the sofa. You're painting a picture in your dialogue of what you're doing and where you're doing it, plus limited sound effects. So that's one thing. It also meant you could sit there and do a radio show in your underwear and nobody would see it. There's no camera to watch it. In fact, just like the show, I'm in my underwear, right? Sure. (laughs) And just like that, when you actually saw photos of somebody doing a radio show, they were standing up before a microphone. They might be in the Wild West. They might be galloping after the criminals in the Lone Ranger or Superman flying in the sky. They didn't have to worry about wires and harnesses and CGI. You just say up, up and away, and then you play the sound of the wind rustling, and suddenly Superman is flying. Yeah, the the, the legendary uh, Mercedes McCambridge, um, one of the few people who was, uh, you know, award-winning star of radio, stage, screen, and television. And they asked her, when she was much older, of all the forms of entertainment, what was her favorite? And most people always said, oh, I prefer theater. And and she says, radio, by far. Mm. Because when you do radio and you're in the audience and you're listening, you're the director, you're the producer, you're the set designer, you're the lighting technician, you're everything. It is complete theater of your mind. I think also it helps improve one's imagination, which we don't really do now. Now everything has to be on the screen. So exactly. if Superman is flying, you've got the CGI. If you have any kind of special effects, even a fist fight, it's there for you to see every single detail, including the sets, which could cost a lot of money. But if you use radio, as you say, whatever you imagine to be true based on the sounds that you hear is true for you. By the way, we've got Brian... And we've got Gene, and we've got Tim, and we've got a lot more to talk about, including alleged UFO or UAP whistleblowers. How about that? You're in the Barracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. 
And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. USA News Update. Six people are dead after a plane crashed early Saturday morning in a field near the French Valley Airport in Murrieta, California. The FAA says the Cessna C-550 crashed and burst into flames. The plane had taken off from Harry Reid International Airport in Las Vegas. The FAA and NTSB are investigating. Arizona is not expected to get a break from what the National Weather Service in Phoenix is calling some of the worst heat wave the area has ever seen. People telling Fox 10 Phoenix they either love the heat or hate it. I think it's I'm glad I work inside. I enjoy coming out here and getting a sweat. Excessive heat is expected for at least another week. Tyler Bench, a January 6th Capitol building rioter who used bear spray, has received a lenient sentence from U.S. District Judge Trevor McFadden. The Trump-appointed judge sentenced Bench to probation and 60 days home arrest. Prosecutors had sought a nine-month federal prison term. John Schaefer, USA News. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe $25,000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is a perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value. You can use the money for anything. It's yours. You can buy an investment property, pay off higher interest debt, or make home improvements. If you need $25,000, $50,000, or more, now is the time. Home values are up, and so is your equity. We offer you a way to use it. No need to use your savings. Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-721-2477. 800-721-2477. That's 800-721-2477. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity. Hi, this is James Fox, director of The Phenomenon and Moment of Contact. You're listening to 
The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. As we continue with our discussion with Brian Young, we're going to focus now on whistleblowers, one or more real or imagined. Now, just as a beginning here, when Kevin Randall and Don Schmidt and all the rest of the people were involved in their Roswell investigations, they got to talk with some alleged whistleblowers who had information that may or may not have been confirmed, but at least it painted the picture that something mysterious may have happened in 1947 in Roswell, and it wasn't a mogul balloon or some other kind of more common issue. Now, the reason we mention that is because in recent months, we heard about a guy named David Grush, who is a supposed whistleblower for the Pentagon's UAP project. Supposedly, he worked for them and then came out in public and said, I'm a whistleblower, and I think he did get the proper government status as one, saying that they were hiding information about off-world technology, events involving off-world craft, possibly off-world entities. And, you know, it would sound like it's almost a dream come true because the original article appeared in Debrief, an online newspaper covering military Pentagon and UFOs and such, and it was written by Ralph Blumenthal, a Pulitzer Prize retired reporter from the New York Times, Leslie Kane, who's a reporter who's written about UFOs and the paranormal. And they introduced this guy as having the information that could blow the lid off what the government knows about UFOs. But now we get into the stratosphere here, and that is, does he really know anything or is he just relating stuff he's heard from other people? Is he making it up? What do you think, Brian? I think as a skeptic and an open-minded skeptic, like I always try to tell people, I'm not a debunker. I'm a skeptic. I want evidence. I'm not going to run with anything or believe anything till I'm given evidence. The problem with a whistleblower like this, there's no evidence put forward. And it's such a sexy story that... Every media outlet's going to pick up on it, from the mainstream media to the conservative media to the liberal media. Everybody jumped on the whistleblower, says we have aliens, but none of them had proof. And then if nothing comes up, if no proof is given, whether or not the guy's telling the truth or not, every debunker's going to say, it's all, it's all BS, and that proves everything anybody's ever said about aliens is BS. Believers are going to believe it because they're going to claim he has credibility, again, without evidence. It really, it hurts the field more than it helps it. If something like this came along and it stayed quiet and stayed underground until some evidence could be brought out from this whistleblower, much better. The industry as a whole, the side of the skeptics, the side of the debunkers, the side of the believers, are not helped by this type of whistleblowing, they can only be hurt. And I think already they're being hurt because you're already seeing people say, it's been several months and nothing's come forward, so I guess it was all garbage. And that'll be the headline. That's the question we all have to ask. Why is this guy doing it if he can't produce the goods? Or maybe he thought if he said that, it would encourage investigations to find what he may have heard about. Now, supposedly, last I heard, New York 
Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, one of the people who has been involved in the UAP programs and setting it up in U.S. Congress, wants to have this guy testify. Now, if he testifies under oath on penalty of perjury, well, then it would give it more significance because he could get himself in a real heap of trouble. He could, Hmm. um, but a lot of people still do Hmm. testify under oath and lie. Happens every day. Um, Kirsten Gillibrand. I'm a New Yorker, you remember, folks. Uh, So she's got more important things to worry about, I think. As a New Yorker, I'm just saying that. Love you, Gov, but you got more important things to worry about than getting this guy to testify right now. As far as getting him under oath, it, the only the only thing I could see it doing is maybe bringing a few, maybe bringing some other people public, but it'll bring people public to bash him or give him credibility. But even if they, if his supervisors come forward and say, yeah, he's credible, still, I don't see any evidence. And it doesn't appear that he has the evidence. He's just saying that it's there. It's like me telling you there's my million dollars is, is, is over there. I can't show it to you, but just trust me, I have it. Well, we so, had that kind of testimony in the U.S. Yes. House where they claimed there are things for about a certain political figure or the relative of same. But when you ask them for information... It's zilch. It doesn't exist. But in a case like this, this guy is making a very important claim. And I would think that going before the U.S. Senate in a hearing, possibly the Intelligence Committee, I assume, she's going to be asked some hard questions. More than likely. Will he be able to answer them? Will it be televised? If there really is something that the government wants to hide, do you think they're going to allow the public to see his testimony? Or do they want people to see his testimony so they don't believe him? It's it's a weird case. I just I think the media jumping all over it from the get go, blowing it out of proportion, really hurt any case there is to be made for this guy. Now the story about the story about the Kane and Blumenthal piece is that. They first submitted it to the New York Times, where previous articles have been published. The Times wanted to take time to vet the story. Ditto with the Washington Post. And for whatever reason, Debrief was given the story next, and they released it. And they have a lot of information about the background of the story. But if you think of the Times and the Post are holding off, they probably wanted to check it out. Like, for example... When the Times piece came out on UAPs beginning in 2017, there was a third author, Helene Cooper, who was the Pentagon correspondent for the Times. And one would think they would have asked her to check around her sources to see if she could verify this. That's a problem. Maybe they were just too over-anxious to get that story in print and didn't vet it as much as they should have. And maybe that's why we didn't see it in the Times I, or the Post. I don't think anything in the media is vetted the way it once was. Uh, we live in an instant information society, which is why, with the exception of some major ones, newspapers are dead, and even the major ones are dying. They can't hold off to completely vet everything the way they used to for credibility sakes, or they're beaten to the punch on every story. You do have stories involving investigative reporting. You see it in 
the Times and the Post, and they win Pulitzers for it. But the problem is there aren't that many because they don't have the staffs anymore, as you say. They don't have the staffs. They cut back and they can't do investigative reporting. It's hard enough to keep up with the current press of events and doing backgrounders, disclosing information from background sources, that sort of thing. It does go on occasionally, but most of the mediums are pretty well gone now. They're not like it used to be. Sure. Now, in terms of the times, I think most of their money these days comes from digital content not from the physical sales of the newspaper. So if you go on to the New York Times website, you can see a small number of articles free. And then if you wish to see everything, you have to pay a monthly fee. Ditto for the Washington Post and a lot of other publications. The Wall Street Journal doesn't give you anything free, I don't think. And that's how they survive. That's how they pay the bills. But as you say, this is... If a real story comes over, how do you allocate staff to check it out, like something like this? But if you go to a smaller outlet with maybe more personal service, you can get it through. We've got more with Brian and Gene and Tim. You're in. The Pericast. Visit GCNlive.com today. If you love mysteries, you'll love these two books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll learn about the strange beings that can look like us but are not. In Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters, you'll see the hard evidence of UFOs that has been ignored or even hidden. These books will definitely blow your mind, and both are now available on Amazon.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. I spend a lot of time in the garage. 
but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me. Your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, veterinarian and naturopathic physician. The Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy with an important message. Take charge of your health. Do not continue to blindly follow the system that has failed us all. I appreciate GCN listeners because you're open-minded and intelligent. If our system is so great, why is it that the United States, the USA, ranks nearly 60th worldwide in longevity and number one in obesity? All the while, we spend more money than all the other countries combined annually on unnecessary health care procedures and toxic drugs. It doesn't take much to get on track, not with the government or pharmaceutical companies, but rather you in control of your own health with a basic understanding of nutrition and supplementation. FDI Longevity has the finest quality health, sports, and energy supplements available. GCN listeners are invited to join our team of people who want to stay healthy well into old age. We are currently looking for specialists to represent FDI Longevity and save America. To buy products at wholesale prices or join our business team, go to GCNteam.com. That's GCNteam.com. Support GCN. Get healthy. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? Long and short, Mr. Friendly Skeptic, is this something that's just going to go away after a while? What? I think to the mainstream, it's already gone away. I think it ran its course over about a week and a half to the common person. And then, you know, the Titanic sub came along and everybody forgot about the UFOs and they were concerned about the Titanic sub. And, you know, something's going to happen tomorrow and they'll all forget about it. The general public nowadays in the information age has a very short attention span. Now, it won't go away with people who are interested in the subject. It's going to linger And it's going to cause infighting, which will be interesting. That's why I can't wait to hear you have Kevin Randall on, because that's going to be a fun show to hear his take on how it's going to affect the future of the uh, of the field. But I think to the the common man on the street, I think it's gone already. I think it passed its cycle with Kevin Randall. His argument so far, and he'll be very specific about it when it comes on the show, is that we've been there, done that with whistleblowers. And so why is this guy any different? Unless he produces something, he can claim anything. I mean, it's not as if he'll lose his job if he makes a wacky claim on the side. In fact, it may serve their interests if there are people there who want to hide information about what UFOs are. Having this guy come out in public is only going to help the case. It's different this time Not so much as it's different from the whistleblowers in the 50s, but in the time in between then and now. The difference now is the online world has allowed conspiracy theory to run wild. 
the online world has made everybody have updated information every few seconds at the tips of their hands. People who have interest in any subject can get information on it from a hundred different sources, none of which are verifying the sources or vetting it instantaneously. And it's a sexy story that'll grab headlines for a day. Well, you know, it's interesting too here. I have this theory I've voiced a few times and we can delve in it and then get more back to that subject. That if tomorrow a high government official, possibly even the president, said, we have evidence that some UAPs may have an off-world origin, in other words, they come from another world, and we continue to investigate, but there is no indication that they represent a threat to national security. I can imagine that kind of statement being made. And hitting the headlines for a day or two. And then the press of events will take over. The latest political scandal will take over. Something in Ukraine will be reported. Maybe another mass shooting. All these things will combine to divert your attention from this announcement, which is possibly one of the most momentous in history, if it's true. The other thing, of course, is because of our crazy society, we have one half of one of the major political parties in the U.S. saying, that guy isn't even president. How can we believe him? (laughs) Yeah, well, and what what will also happen is if someone were to to come out and make that announcement tomorrow, which sort of like everyone thought when Bill Clinton got elected president, he was going to open up the JFK files and say, look, it was a conspiracy. I, you know, I'm going to open up all the files. Well, that didn't happen. And then people thought Trump was going to open up all the UFO files and show everybody the truth. Well, that didn't happen either. But let's say it does happen. Let's say tomorrow Joe Biden holds a press conference and says, all right, we've been dealing with aliens for the past 50 years. They're all friendly. Everything's good. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to see here. Go about your business. There's the announcement. Half of the people will say he's lying. Half the people are saying, how can we trust him now if they've been lying to us forever? They've been telling us it doesn't exist. Now they're claiming it does. Which one's true? It's disinformation. So you're only going to get a percentage of people believing you no matter what you say. You see, that's part of the problem, too. We have people from the 50s on urging that the government disclose what it really knows about UFOs, saying the government is lying to us. They're lying to us about this, that, and the other thing. Okay, fine. The government lies. And I think everybody agrees that in some areas, The government lies for reasons known to themselves. I could see national security. I could see other reasons. I could see political reasons. They lie. And we hope that at least some of the things they say are all or mostly true and so we can get on with our lives. But then if you're telling us the government is an organization that lies, if the government lies to us, why would a revelation of UFO reality be treated any differently? That's the conundrum there for disclosure. Why believe the government if they admit something when you accept the fact that they lie all the time? Exactly. But but like you said, a lot of the times the government will lie for a purpose. Do you know how many, and this is the personal belief, I can't say this is 100% true or not, but do you know how many experimental aircraft or weapons were tested in the 50s and 60s that people probably mistook for UFOs and reported them as UFO sightings, and the government covered it up by saying, there's nothing there, it's swamp gas, whatever, because they couldn't let this technology get out, or it could cause world problems. I'm sure that happened all the time. Now, is that lying, or is that covering up to protect? 
th- th- there's a difference. If they were to come out and say, all right, here it is. Here's the evidence. Here's the photo of me and the guy that was on the cover of the Weekly World News all those times. <laughs> and it's real. People are still not going to believe it. Out of their political beliefs, the people that hate him will say it's a lie because he said it. And that's with either party now. Our country is so divided and so split, it makes disinformation so easy to spread (laughs) that luckily our attention span is short enough for things to get lost after one news cycle. So if anyone is hoping there will be a final answer to the UFO mystery, whatever it is, maybe it was all just test aircraft, maybe there is some element of the paranormal in there, whatever it is, We'll never know it because we won't believe the answer. I'll believe it when Gort shows up and makes everything, you know, stand still. Gort, Klaatu, Barada, Nikto. <laughs> but I, 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 I'm a skeptic by nature. I don't believe that I've seen anything or know for a fact that we have anything, but I don't doubt that it's a possibility but without evidence i'm not going to believe it i'm also not going to believe it if someone tells me it's true just when they don't show any evidence and that's the problem with this whistleblower he came forward said a bunch of stuff but really didn't have anything to back it up this is the conundrum whether you believe in ufos or not let's separate that let's look at this guy david grush i am not criticizing him personally because I don't know him. I've only read what he claims. He's entitled to claim anything he wants. No harm done. Unless you believe in an act upon it, then there could be some harm, I guess. But he talks about interdimensional UFOs, about bodies, about off-world craft. Doesn't produce a bit of it. And I have to think, what was he thinking to come forward with these claims when he knew he couldn't prove anything. I, I think he was thinking he might get a, a, a now, this is speculation, of course, this is allegedly, but he could have been thinking, hmm, maybe Apple is our type Netflix uh, series out of it. Or maybe he's telling the truth. The problem is we don't have any evidence to back it up either way. If he is telling the truth, it all depends on the sources he has of coming forward to confirm what he has to say. They don't have to. Nobody compels them. And even then, assuming this guy had top secret clearance, there are things he can't say without getting himself in a heap of trouble. So going this far, the fact that he's allowed to do it would, in my point of view, think that they don't care. They figure he can say anything he wants because it's not going to change anything. They will just go on doing what they're doing. The same thing might be true with Luis Elizondo. So he has this high position with the original UAP investigative projects. And there is some dispute over that level of authority, whatever. Luis Elizondo has been in the public eye since 2017. A little less than six years as we do this show. But... What has he done or said that takes us one step closer towards some real revelations about UFOs? 
There are things he can't tell because he had a security clearance. He certainly came out of it without a lot of knowledge about the history of the UFO field. That's not part of what he does. It's like a lot of these people, they come on and they treat UFOs as something brand new and that's something that's been around since the end of World War II and possibly before. Brian Young, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz, you're in. The Pericast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. My name is Don Wiskin, and at 42 years old, I suffered a massive heart attack, lost 35% of my heart to damaged tissue, and was supposed to spend the rest of my life on disability. What did I do? I took Extendivite, a garlic and cayenne mix of seven herbs which rebuilt my heart and gave me back my life. For over 17 years now, I have made this formula available to you so you don't have to suffer the same thing I did. Clean your blocked arteries and strengthen your heart and boost your natural immune system. I'm 60 years old now and I still work every day. To get your Extendivite, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid. Extend your life with Extendivite. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So before we get back to the whistleblower, have you listened or looked at what Luis Alessandro says? Uh, I mean, I've seen over the years, I've seen stuff, not in depth, but like you said, a lot of it is information without evidence. As a skeptic, it's hard to, it's hard to bite when there's information without evidence. And as we all agree, if he has a security clearance, and of course we have that argument with a certain case that's involving a political figure right now, and I don't want to get into it, we all know what it is. If he has a security clearance, which he does, if he knows any guilty knowledge about UAP reality, he couldn't tell us anyway. 
Because no. then he would step on toes. So you know anything he says doesn't step on toes. You know anything the whistleblower says doesn't step on toes. Now, if other people come forward and say the whistleblower is right, we can testify we saw something too. Maybe if two or three people say the same thing, even without evidence, they'd have more credibility. Maybe. Um, they might have more credibility. If it's two or three people come forward that say, hey, I'll back him up. I was in the office. We worked together and saw this. That doesn't necessarily make it credible. That You know, you could make the argument, yeah, there are three people who concocted this plan years ago to do this. Not saying that's the case, but there will be people that will make that argument. Even if someone has direct knowledge, says, yes, I saw the craft. Yes, I work with the scientists who are trying to reverse engineer the craft. Yes, I saw the alien bodies. Fine, prove it. How can you prove it without producing physical evidence? But we've had that all three years with with Bob Lazar. Well, Bob Lazar is not somebody that I tend to take seriously. I know we did ask him to come on the show. Tim wrote him a few times. Come on on the show. And the best we get is that he no longer does that. Now, I know George Knapp, who is a credible reporter, believes Lazar. And maybe he did have some kind of minor connection to the affairs, but he produced nothing. No. And the thing is, with an example, with a case like a Bob Lazar, who's made a lot of these same claims without the evidence, and it has split even the, the world of the believers in half. So, you know, this guy comes along, starts making the same types of claims without evidence, maybe has a little more credibility because we've actually been able to prove, yeah, he really did have access to these places and and positions, which is still people debate with Lazar whether he did or not. So there's more credibility, but there's still no evidence. But the fact of the matter is it was a sexy headline that would draw attention for a few days and I would say sell newspapers, but that's such an outdated term. You think you dated yourself earlier in the show. I just dated myself with a selling newspapers line. <laughs> but it generated clicks. How's that sound? There you go. For a few days. Unfortunately, the attention span doesn't exist. So when the story disappears, that's it. As you say, we don't hear much about the UFO whistleblower except in the UFO field. That's where it goes. The story's dead. I mean, let's go back to Trinity from Harris and Valet. Even in the field, people aren't talking about it much. It's a dead issue because they're not talking about it. They're not producing more evidence that it's real. So it is another UFO story. No matter what UFOs are, and I think there's something paranormal, Brian, I think, needs a lot more proof. Regardless of that, it's never going to go anywhere unless... There's some real, solid, physical evidence. We can say, well, something's going on. We can't explain it. That doesn't tell us what it is. A UFO or a UAP is a UFO or a UAP, unidentified. I'm curious. Uh, we were talking about uh, Lewis just a moment ago. Has has he made any uh, uh, comment or statements about the whistleblower's claims? I don't, that's a good question, because I haven't seen whether or not he has. 
Yeah, I I don't know if I've seen anything. And you would think that, you know, I mean, he would be the guy who, you know, I mean, supposedly, I mean, he was in the Pentagon that, and and and, and I know how compartmentalized that, uh, you know, these programs can be, but, you know, he would at least uh, make some kind of comment about this. I will tell you the one interesting thing about this whistleblowers compared to ones in the past. If you, if you look at the Lazars or the other whistleblowers from the past in the UFO field, there seems to have been a concerted effort to make them look like kooks by the mainstream media and the public. That hasn't happened this time. Maybe because it only lasted a couple days. Because, like we said, it's a different era. The attention span is a couple days. It's one news cycle. But they didn't attack the character of the whistleblower like they usually do in these cases. That I found a little interesting. It, it may be, though, Brian, that... If they were to attack him, it would only draw more attention to him. If they the ignore three. him, treat him like he doesn't exist, they figure the story will fade. Which it will. Um, no matter how sexy the story is, it, it, it fades. I'll give you a perfect example. Last time I was on the show, we did a lot of talk about my research into in Jack the Ripper. If you remember a few years ago, this headline hit every newspaper and internet site and news show and channel that they found a shawl that had DNA evidence of who the Ripper was because it's one of the victim shawls and it matched it and they know for sure the case closed. And that was everywhere for two days. For the next year and a half, I was doing shows with um, one of the leading geneticists in the entire world whose name I'm not going to give, but I can tell people if they want to find out who it is. It, it did a lot of work in England to prove a certain king's skeleton was his. Anyway... <laughs> We debunked the whole thing, the entire story. None of it made sense. There were so many holes in it that it, we could instantly disprove it in like 10 minutes. But that story was sexy for two days. And every once in a while, people will still say, yeah, didn't they solve that case a few years ago? Because they remember that headline. They don't remember the year and a half, two years that we debunked it on every show in the world. Well, just without knowing a lot and not recalling the other show that we talked about it in, I would think, as a practical matter, if they did recover this DNA, they'd have to have something to compare it with. Bingo. That's the problem. Unless they had the DNA of somebody from that time frame, not only how would that, you know? How would you know what's going on? There's no way. No, not only that, uh, the shawl never really existed. It just kind of materialized. I mean, it exists now. Someone has it. But... The victim never had that shawl. Um, fabric experts said it was Edwardian, not Victorian, so it wasn't even from the right time period. Um, it had been handled by hundreds of people over the years, passed from houses to houses and sold at auctions and things, which would contaminate any DNA that did exist on it. But you know what? That headline was sexy for two days. DNA found on a shawl proves the case. It was As wrong. you say, how would they isolate the DNA? They couldn't. And that's what me and this, this uh, geneticist proved. It would have been impossible. Even if they recovered any of it, it would have been so damaged you couldn't link it to anyone. Well, I suppose we can go back through time with our time machine. That's Call the up only the ghost of H.G. Wells, get the time machine going, go back and see what's going on. In the meantime, never knowing the answer... And I assume that's a fair thing to say. Well, we will never know the real answer. Never knowing the answer, we can have lots of fun with speculation. Absolutely.
But I, why I, does I, it intrigue us 150 years later? Because we don't know the answer. Well, that's part of what intrigues me. Um, people get into different fields for different reasons. There are people into, I hate the term, but ripperology, because they're fascinated by the fact that it was the first mass media serial killer. There are people who get into it because it becomes a study of poverty in the East End. There are people who get into it because it's unsolved historical crime. Hey, before we figure this out, and maybe we won't figure it out, but we have Brian, Gene, and Tim, and more to come. The Jack the Ripper story, back to UFOs, who knows what. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. It's all too obvious. We're being distracted by meaningless news headlines. When you dig to find the truth, you discover that the American way of life is being threatened by the institutions we used to trust. It's easy to see the future holds more food shortages, systematic controls, and government overreach. But instead of throwing up their hands, folks are preparing. They're taking steps to be self-reliant and investing in emergency food storage. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, makes it easy to get started and join the ranks with this limited-time offer. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and get their top-selling four-week emergency food kit. Enjoy tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get new lower pricing this week on these four-week emergency food kits. Secure at least one food kit for each member of your family. They ship free, too. Those who know what's coming are preparing. Smart folks. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. MyPatriotSupply.com Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Attention, your money is now controlled by the U.S. government. Picture a world where your every purchase is monitored, tracked, and controlled by those in power to suppress the freedoms of those they see fit. Hi, my name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. And right now, I become very focused on the impending rollout of the central bank digital currency. This is not a work of fiction. It's a terrifying reality looming on the horizon. But there is a bit of good news. I've partnered with Advantage Gold to offer you a solution. 
They are specialists in converting your traditional assets, like those inside an IRA or 401k, into tangible assets such as physical gold and silver. Don't allow your money to be controlled. Claim your free gold protection kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Call 800-900-8000. Medicaid and CHIP offer free or low-cost health coverage for children and teens. Hospital and doctor visits, prescriptions, shots, and more are covered. That's peace of mind for parents if a child is sick or gets injured. And parents may now be eligible for Medicaid, too, even if they've applied in the past. Enrollment is always open. Visit insurekidsnow.gov or call 1-877-KIDS-NOW. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So you were explaining, Brian, the reasons this persists. It, It persists because it's unsolved, it's unknown, We'll never know. And people have turned it into, um, for lack of a better term, a trademark. It's a trade name. People all know the name Jack the Ripper, even if they have no idea what happened or the actual facts of the case. And people study it for various reasons. It'll last forever. But I think we did solve it, mixing UFOs and Jack the Ripper. Because wasn't there an episode of Star Trek where Jack the Ripper was like some entity that made Scotty kill someone? <laughs> <sighs> so I looked it up and it appears it's an episode about some creature that goes around the galaxy killing people. It's from 1967. It's called Wolf in the Fold. I can see that, that we can engage in any kind of speculation. I know there was a movie where Jack the Ripper comes to the present with a time machine. Time after time. Time, time oh, after I love, time. Yes. I love that movie. That's a great movie. I am asked when I do uh, Ripper, Jack the Ripper lectures or conferences or whatever, people will inevitably ask me, what's your favorite Jack the Ripper film or documentary or whatever? And I always say time after time, and people are shocked that you went with one that's that ridiculous up there. I'm like, yeah, because it's a fun movie. Just a really good movie. You know, it's interesting here. The producers of the TV series Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, what they did is they created the Jack the Ripper character in reverse, where you have H.G. Wells with his time machine. But the Jack the Ripper character, the mass murderer, the master criminal, is somebody from the future. It went through several episodes. Do you remember that? I don't. I wish I did now because that's that was the Terry Hatcher one, right? With um, Dean Kane. Dean Kane, Terry Hatcher. And as a result of this character, she discovers at the end, I think, of the second season that Clark Kent and Superman are one and the same. I would also like to point out Dean Kane, former Buffalo Bill. Go Bills. Sorry. You got to be a Buffalonian. You got to throw things like that out there. What do I know? I know he went to Princeton and then, what, dropped out? Or did he get a degree? 
he got a degree and he got drafted by the Bills, and I think he blew his knee out in training camp, and that's why he left football. So he blew his knee out and became Superman for four years. Yeah, absolutely. Now, they brought him back for the Supergirl TV series where he plays the adoptive father of the Supergirl character. Let's face it. After you're a Buffalo Bill, what could be bigger? You have to go Superman. It's the only thing bigger than being a Bill. The thing with Superman is that none of the actors, maybe Henry Cavill's an exception, really had tremendous career after Superman, life after Superman. We have the first live-action Superman, Kirk Allen. Did a couple of Superman movie serials for Columbia back in the late 40s. The second one, Adamant vs. Superman, they introduced the Luther character as the main Superman villain, okay? They then had George Reeves play him on TV because Kirk Allen wouldn't do the TV role. For whatever reason, there's a conspiracy theory. George Reeves ends up dead. Did he shoot himself? Did he get involved with the girlfriend of a criminal and was killed out of revenge? What happened to him? Allegedly, he had signed up for two more years of Superman and was going to become a director. Okay, so he's gone. We have a couple of guys playing Superboy. Then we have Christopher Reeve playing Superman. And he does a credible job, although I thought that his Clark Kent was way, way over the top. And Gene Hackman played Luther as kind of a comic book joke. But this is 1978. And he gets involved in a horse accident, and he's crippled for the rest of his life. Then we have Brandon Routh, who plays the character in Superman Returns. What happened to his career after Superman Returns? Not much of anything except that he appeared in several TV series Arrowverse shows where he plays a character named Ray Palmer who develops this tiny suit that he uses to become a character called the Adam, a comic book character, and they use the name Ray Palmer to honor the real Ray Palmer back in the 40s and 50s, so-called the man who invented flying saucers. Otherwise, Brandon Routh's career hasn't gone much of anywhere. Henry Cavill, apparently he's got things going on. He's still being considered to be the next James Bond, so he's okay. Then we have Tyler Hecklin, the guy on TV. He was in Teen Wolf. He appeared as a child actor, and he's thought of being one of the best Superman in there, but he's still doing it. So after Superman, what happens to him then? He was a really good actor. Will he have a career after Superman? They still call it the curse of Superman. In the original Adventures of Superman TV series, back in the 50s, no major player, after George Reeves, of course, no major player in that series had any career or much of a career after that show ended. None of them. You know you forgot a Superman. Who was that? Bud Collier who actually did go on to more success after Superman. I didn't mention him because he was a radio actor. So being a voice actor, he could do anything. He did Beat the Clock on TV, a quiz show. Yeah, he became the biggest game show host in America for like 25 years when game shows were new. And he didn't get busted with any of his game shows, I don't think, in the 50s, (laughs) like so many others. The key also is here, you didn't see him. There was no visual impact. True. 
and therefore he could play anything. I mean, we have a guy named Al Hodge who played the Green Hornet on radio and then became Captain Video on TV for several years. That killed his career. He had no acting jobs after that. Well, it is a role that is definitely, if you get typecast, it's tough to break away from because, you know, you look at them for the rest of their lives and you're like, hey, that's Superman. Also, a lot of it is because these shows appeal to children and they get invested in the character. How do you play anything else? Now, I should mention that Don Hastings, who played Captain Video's assistant, the Video Ranger, he had a big career as a soap opera actor. He's still alive, by the way. He had a real career after that show ended. Yeah, how many how many superhero actors do, though? I mean, Adam West, you can say, had a successful career, but it really wasn't for many, 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 many years. It wasn't until he was much older that he was um, respected again in given roles, and they were always comedic roles, if you remember, after that. So he was never taken seriously again. No, but he had good comedic timing. Well, that's why he was that Batman. He was the perfect Batman for. He still is Batman. I don't care what anybody says. Oh yeah. He's well, there's one other. There's one other Batman. I think when you look at the serious Batman actors, Michael Keaton on Batman, he had the perfect look as the tortured Bruce Wayne, still suffering psychologically from the murder of his parents and thus becoming Batman. I think he had the look perfectly down. We've got more to come. Same bat. No, we don't want to go into that. <laughs> Brian Young, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz, you're in the podcast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. USA News Update. Former President Trump is heading to Nevada for a campaign rally. He'll speak at a volunteer recruitment event Saturday evening on the heels of Friday's stop in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Nevada and Iowa are on the list of early primary states. The Biden administration is providing cluster munitions to Ukraine in its fight against Russia. We will not leave Ukraine defenseless at any point in this conflict, period. 
White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan defending the move, arguing the munitions are critical for Ukraine to defend its territory against Russian forces. A Florida couple has been charged in the death of their 18-month-old daughter who died in a hot car. According to prosecutors, the parents left the baby girl strapped in her car seat after returning home from a 4th of July party. The investigation revealed that both Joel and Jasmine Rondin tested positive for marijuana and alcohol, while Joel also tested positive for meth. John Schaefer, USA News. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, fast trivia question before we get back to the paranormal. Who was the voice of the announcer on Batman who said, same bat time, same bat channel? That would be William Dozier. He was producer. Yep. <laughs> I think that was his first and last voice role, but he had a perfect voice for that. I remember the show was a half hour, twice a week for the first couple of years. Can you imagine hearing that voice doing anything else again, though? That's why <laughs> that voice was typecast. Ever hear it anywhere else, you'd be like, hey, that's the Batman announcer. Well, they had a version of the Green Hornet that lasted a year. I think he did that one also, same producer. He did, and it was actually a much better show than it's given credit for. They tried to go a little more serious with it instead of as campy as Batman was. And I think that's the mistake they made is that you should have gone all serious or all camp like you did with Batman. They kind of went half and half with Green Hornet, and it just didn't work. But if you go back and watch those reruns, they were great. 
Van Williams played Grit Reed, the Green Hornet, who was a great, great, great grandnephew of the Lone Ranger. Same last name, Reed. Did you know that? And Bruce Lee's first major role on television. And one thing about it, there was criticism early on that he was playing the so-called dumb Asian character with the pidgin English and everything. You'll notice as he progresses, he gets more of a role in the show, more dialogue, and becomes not just the assistant of Britt Reed, but his partner. And, you know, in Hong Kong and in China and in a lot of countries where it showed afterwards, it was actually called The Cato Show. Well, the one movie I didn't like was the movie version of Green Hornet with a comedy actor. I thought that was just plain dumb. If you're going to do it, do it. Because we can treat comic book characters with seriousness. The Shadow, I don't know. It's always been strange. They had movie serials. They had various movie versions. We have the radio show. We have the Street and Smith short novels that were written. But we also have this movie from the 1990s with Alec Baldwin as Lamont Cranston. Now, if you look at the beginning of that, the Shadow's beginnings in the Orient mirror the beginnings of Batman. And Batman begins with Christian Bale in some ways. He learns crime and to become a criminal in the Orient. The problem with superhero movies is the market is so flooded with them now that they're completely formulaic and they're interchangeable now. They become so cookie cutter. Action, sure. Exciting, sure. They're good to eat popcorn to, but they're pretty formulaic cookie cutter films. Before now's recent explosion, they were either really good or really bad. <laughs> Let's face it, there were some really bad superhero films made in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. It got to a point here where you had to have the supervillain. And the supervillain is way over the top. I would give an exception of that, though. I did like Supergirl, by the way. I thought that was pretty well done, although it was a fairly light series. Melissa Benoist is an incredible actress. She, she sings, she dances, she played Carol King on Broadway in Beautiful, and she made a credible character as Supergirl. But I think the best one of all is Superman and Lois, because they take it 100,000% seriously. The premise being Superman and Lois Lane are married for about 20 years. They have two teenage boys, one of whom has powers, one of whom doesn't. And they play everything totally seriously. So you're going to hate me because my favorite is uh, Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno, the Hulk. (laughs) Okay. No, I like that too. Loved that show growing up. And when I still watch it today at 50 years old, I still love it just as much. Now, the made-for-TV movies they made after the series was canceled, not so much. Of course, then we remember Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. But I think Gal Gadot is better, more intriguing as an actress, and presents something that's more, shall we say, almost paranormal in what she could do. She's a goddess. We didn't think of that so much in the Linda Carter version. Oh, I thought she was a goddess. Well, we're thinking in not the physical (laughs) sense, of course, but... She didn't do a lot after that. She became a nightclub act. She didn't do a lot in terms of movies, although although she did have a brief appearance in one of the closing credits scenes in Wonder Woman 1984. 
I didn't realize that. I got to go back and watch that. That's correct. It's a short roll, but it's undoubtedly her, and she certainly looks well-preserved for a 70-year-old woman. She was going to have a bigger part in the third film, which will now never be done, apparently. But did you want a third one? I don't know. After the second one, I'm not sure. Now, one thing that bothered me here with the two Wonder Wonder Woman films is that Chris Pine played the Steve Trevor character like he was William Shatner. (laughs) Do you notice that? He did. He played more like William Shatner in Wonder Woman than he did as Captain Kirk in Star Trek. See, now this is why this is why you love having me on because I could talk about any topic like this. Did you see Chris Pine in the new Dungeons and Dragons movie? I'm not too big in the game movies. I am not either. I've never played Dungeons and Dragons in my life, and it has nothing to do with avoiding the satanic panic of the eighties because I was listening to the metal music, darn it. But never played Dungeons and Dragons, didn't know anything about it. My girlfriend was a Dungeons and Dragons player, loves it. She made me watch the movie with her. I was like, this is going to be terrible. It is hilarious. I cannot recommend it highly enough, people. Even if you don't understand Dungeons and Dragons, you'll get a kick out of it. You'll enjoy it even more if you watch it with someone who does understand Dungeons and Dragons and can explain some of the inside jokes. Funny movie, very well done good time now if we're talking by the way of star trek and chris pine i like star trek strange new worlds on paramount plus i do too and you have to think here i also think the guy who plays spock ethan peck is a better spock than zachary quinto was and zachary quinto i thought didn't have that impressive exterior of Spock, nor the voice, but Ethan Peck does. He has the voice right down. He has bright look, and he's, of course, acting royalty. He's, what, Gregory Peck's grandson. Yeah, I was going to say, that name doesn't uh, ring a bell to people. It should. (laughs) I think that series is very well done. They're putting a lot of money into it. The acting is superb all around. And as you might know or might not, Star Trek Strange New Worlds is the Enterprise 10 years before Captain Kirk took it over. So all the things that happened, including the tragic end of Captain Pike, are shown here. And it gives them a lot of room to maneuver because you get to see characters before they became more famous in the TV series. This is a predecessor series. And it's a great psychological profile into the mind of a good captain or someone who has to be a good leader because the character has is aware of his own fate. Yes. Which gives it a really interesting spin. Now, the original Captain Pike was Jeffrey Hunter in the original pilot for Star Trek, which they didn't buy NBC. They commissioned a second pilot. He wasn't available, so they got William Shatner. And then they kind of redid the Spock character with Leonard Nimoy. And the number one character being a female second-in-command was eliminated, and then she became Nurse Chapel, of course. 
Yeah. Gene Roddenberry's wife had the voice of the computer. But they made number one a bigger character with Rebecca Remain in Strange New Worlds. You'll remember her as the blue person on X-Men. Here we go. Gene, Brian, Tim, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Have you ever watched a video on the internet and found yourself waiting for the skip the ad button? The reason this takes a few seconds is because the video delivery companies get to collect impression commission, and the viewer never sees the advertisement. The company still pays full price to run the ad. Does this sound like a scam to you? Is there any wonder why internet ads are so ineffective? For over 100 years, radio has been a proven source for companies' messages. Radio listeners are engaged and want to support the companies that sponsor the shows they're so passionate about. Simple companies like window treatments, security, pillow companies, and more have been able to break away from the big box stores building multi-million dollar businesses. Find out what radio can do for your business. Call 877-996-4327 or advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com. Extendivite is more than just a heart tonic. Most basic diseases are caused by yeast in the gut and metals in the liver, and we all have a bit of both. The garlic in Extendivite has a yeast-killing effect in the gut while also helping the sulfur enzyme in the liver get rid of the metals. Extendivite just may improve your overall health. Products like Extendivite are the only way we are going to get our society healthy. And if you're waiting for the government and pharmaceutical care to solve your health problems, you're going to have a long, disappointing wait, I think. Extendivite is a complete formula for extended life in the new millennium. 80 can be the new 60. Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69.95 for a two-month supply. To get started, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. 
I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers. There's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. Tracy Torme, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And you'll notice that our introduction there with our bumper music was voiced by Tracy Torme, and he was one of the writer-producers of Star Trek Next Generation, where he was also a creator of the holodeck. All right, enough of the trivia. Let's go back to non-trivia UFOs. Well, so, you know, the funny thing is, we spent all this time talking about Star Trek. And in a way, Star Trek is responsible for my love of all things strange, weird, and wild, and paranormal because of Leonard Nimoy and In Search Of. Mm-hmm. So, big shout out to Leonard Nimoy. It was In Search Of that turned all of us children from the 70s into fans of the weird. That, sir, is not logical. <laughs> <laughs> No, he's got a point, though. Same way with me. Now, you know, I was uh, watching reruns of Star Trek and was already interested in the uh, weird and wonderful, so naturally gravitated to shows like In Search Of, which there weren't many of. I think that really was the only one. That was the big one. That's the one that really still stands out in my mind. I remember specials like there'd be... Ripley, believe it or not, specials once in a while, or, or you know, Kreskin would do his occasional television special for the weirdness, but it was in search of. That was my weekly dose of the unusual. And you always believe Mr. Spock when he tells you something. Yeah, except I kept saying, hey, what happened to his ears? He's got to be lying. He lied about his ears. Now he's lying about Bigfoot. What's going on here? I can't trust anybody anymore. But he had a career after that, <laughs> after Star Trek or during Star Trek. I mean, he ended up, his last role was the first Star Trek movie with Chris Pine. He played the older version of Spock from the original reality. Not only did he have a continued career acting, he had an incredibly successful directing career in all sorts of genres. I mean, not only did he direct some of the Star Trek films, but, you know, he directed comedies, he directed dramas, he he could direct anything, and he was very successful. One of his most famous comedy movies was Three Men and a Baby. Yes, it was. That's right. Also, the first film that featured a future member of the Kids in the Hall. Dave Foley had a cameo in that role as the grocery store worker before he was famous. Perhaps the most famous director out of the Star Trek crew, and there have been several who were in Star Trek shows, of course, would be... Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. Yeah, Commander Riker. He appeared in a lot of these films and directed 
Star Trek First Contact, which I thought was one of the best Star Trek films. He directed that in one of the other ones. Directed many of the episodes. Continues to direct on the Paramount Plus Star Trek shows. Discovery, Strange New World, Star Trek, Picard. Continues to direct those shows. And directs loads and loads of other shows. Became a really big director. But if you want to see something funny, go search for the episode of Dukes of Hazard he did, where he was a bad guy in the Dukes of Hazard, watching him fake some kind of southern accent as a bad guy. <laughs> when he does a public appearance, he's really funny, by the way. Yeah, I've never met him. I've heard he's a really good guy. You know, speaking of Star Trek, obviously you have Paramount+. Plus. Have you been watching the animated Lower Decks? I have, and I'm not big into animation. I'm very sorry, folks. I'm not a big animation person. I gave up on animation after the Bugs Bunny and Donald Duck. I don't like animation, I think, because there is a non-reality or a hyper-reality, depending on the kind of animation you have, like Pixar is kind of like a hyper-reality. I like real people, and that's me, and people now hate me, in addition to everybody who hates me anyway. I'm not the biggest animation guy. But this show, if you like Star Trek and what Star Trek's about and everything, very funny. Um, because it's a parody that is still respectful because I don't think Paramount would allow them to do a disrespectful parody on their network of their biggest franchise. But it's actually quite funny. There's also like a Star Trek prodigy show, but that's been canceled. Paramount Plus, like the other streaming networks, has been cutting back quite a bit. Because what's yeah. happened here is they oversold everything. It's very expensive to produce these shows. Are you ready for me to get in trouble with my co-host on uh, Transatlantic History Ramblings podcast? I, did I am like delighted. Go get yourself in trouble. It's not my responsibility. I'm in enough trouble. Yeah, I did not like Picard, the series. And my co-host loved it, and she's going to listen to this, and she's going to, you know, give me give me a lot of hell on the next episode. But uh, I, I just didn't like it. I didn't. And Tim's been on the show. He knows Lauren. He'd be afraid if she was going to give him heck, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, and uh, she loved Picard, and I, I didn't. Sorry, Lauren, didn't like Picard. <laughs> I think the third and final season was the best of all. That's where they reunite the Star Trek Next Generation crew. That, I think, was very well done. The thing that's unfortunate, though, is that the lead actor, you know, he's not, unfortunately, in the best of shape with his voice. I think well, that Patrick Stewart, Patrick Stewart looks his age, which is unfortunate, and he sounds old and doesn't seem to have the energy. And maybe, you know, we respect him because he's had a terrific career. But that was kind of a put-off for me. Actually, I thought the he's biggest star on that... Pardon? He's a thousand years old now. What do you expect? <laughs> Only a thousand. But I think Jerry Ryan, seven of nine, did a great job. I thought she was one of the best on that. Other than, of course, the traditional crew... Jonathan Frakes and all the rest. But if I want to watch Patrick Stewart, I'm going to go back and watch I, Claudius. Where he is Sejanus and you got John Hurt as Caligula. And, oh, what a great series that was. Derek Jacobi as Claudius. 
I remember when Patrick Stewart first signed on to Star Trek Next Generation. He's a British stage actor who's now been hired to appear as a lead role of a major syndicated TV show. And I think he lived upstairs from somebody's garage or store or something for the first few months because he didn't believe in his wildest dreams that this show would last. So he took it to earn money. He hadn't earned a lot of money. I think I heard figures like 150 pounds or something to be an actor. And a guy's in his 40s. And you think, wait a minute, an actor? That's the money he's making, not even the middle class salary in the, in the 1980s and 90s. And suddenly he's famous as Captain Picard and his money's rolling in. And after that show ends, he did X-Men, everything, and became famous as the star of X-Men. But you think this guy, until he became Captain Picard, never had a big paycheck or seldom had a big paycheck as an actor, a middle-aged man. Yeah, but, and, you know, to a lot of actors that taking that part would have been a major roll of the dice, but he had nothing to lose. Um, you know, a lot of people thought that series would tank after two or three episodes because Star Trek fans were so rabid and loyal they would never accept a new crew. How wrong they were. <laughs> so, to a lot of actors, that would have been a big career risk. To him, it was like, it's a big career opportunity. I don't think it'll work, but hey, couldn't hurt. It's also a paycheck. Yeah. Remember, Although, a stage actor only earns a decent living if they work constantly. So if he's given this series and he can do up to 22 episodes or something a season, it's 22 paychecks. Yeah, but you'd have to wear that outfit they had to wear in that first season. Yikes. <laughs> Actually, if you want to look at things like that, Michael Dorn is Worf. Having to endure that. That was a job and a half to have that kind of makeup with the guy who played Quark on Deep Space Nine. Yeah. I mean, he's still around as a working character actor with many roles, but if you consider that role, Armin Shimmerman, and he had to wait like four hours to get it on, two hours to get it off, and he played a character that could have been a joke. But sometimes suddenly you see this serious guy and you see this talent that's there despite wearing the crazy false teeth and everything else. And if he didn't do that, you wouldn't accept the character. And I think people accepted the character. Just like Rene Auberginois as Odo, another really big actor. We've got more to come. Let's get back to the paranormal. Brian, Gene, and Tim, you're in. The Pentecost. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you love reading about the mysteries of the universe? Do you wonder what secrets are hidden in the shadows of our own planet? If so, you won't want to miss these two amazing books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll explore the world of the mimics of man, beings that can look like us but are not. 
They've been among us since the beginning of history, hiding in plain sight, influencing our culture in ways we can scarcely imagine. In alien artifacts and credible evidence of exotic material from UFO encounters, you'll discover the so-called hard evidence of UFOs that's been available for study this entire time, but for the most part has been ignored. These two books will open your eyes to a hidden reality that has been right in front of our eyes all along. That's Mimics, The Others Among Us, and Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters by Tim R. Schwartz and Sean Castile. Available now on Amazon.com. Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in his free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call him toll-free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy, says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, in search of Leonard Nimoy, gets you interested in the paranormal. What do you think, then, are your favorite or most intriguing paranormal issues? I would always, since a child, was really fascinated by cryptids and I, I loved bigfoot and loch ness monster and then mothman became a big thing for me i've always loved the study of i was a big science fiction fan and a big horror movie fan so i always did like ufos and, and, and strangeness but i was more into earthly paranormal subjects uh cryptids hauntings and possessions which of course those were the ones where i'm the biggest skeptic in the world because i i I just don't believe in any of those things but i love them i can't get enough of reading about them or listening to them or watching them or but yeah cryptid's probably my favorite well i kind of think of all of them even if you're not a believer in ghosts or whether ufos or spaceships or not or some other kind of unknown phenomenon a cryptid is possible because we simply do not know about all the potential creatures on this planet and something could have survived and something could still exist that's still possible even though we never seem to have evidence of it yeah it was only in our lifetime that we actually found a giant squid these rumored creatures that had been around for centuries and these horror stories that yeah they don't really exist what was it 30 years ago when we finally found one so you never know. Well, look at the look at the gorilla. You know, I mean that that was discovered really not that long ago. There had been rumors for years that there was 
you know, like uh, some kind of uh, hairy wild man in the Congo. But it was just considered, you know, wild stories by the natives. Yeah. Komodo dragon. The coelacan. Yeah. Mothman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's well. And, you know, New York. I mean, uh, uh, New York has plenty of uh, cryptids. We do. We have one of the highest uh, uh, number of Bigfoot sightings in New York State. We have our own monster in Lake Erie, um, which I've never seen. Um, and, and I'm only five minutes away from Lake Erie, and I ain't never seen no darn monster. But New York's got, we got, uh, we had our own Mothman sighting 50 years before the one in Point Pleasant. So mm-hmm. yeah, New York's <laughs> a fun place. Looking at the original Mothman sightings from New York, what do you think it was where they were? I I wish there were more information available. It is such a bizarre story. They, They were reported by several people in the newspapers, several witnesses, all described the same thing um, out of the lumber yards of North Tonawanda, New York. And... You know, it landed in the street where people were on their bicycles. So no one knows. It's one of those stories where there's just that little bit of information and all these people who saw it, and it was over a couple days in the newspaper, and then it's gone. There's no photographs. There's no evidence. There's no nothing. Was it a hoax? Possibly. Was it one person told the story, and then other people said, yeah, I saw that too? Possibly. Or was there something really weird for a couple days in North Tonawanda, New York? I'd like to know. Once again, when we get that time machine going, when H.G. Wells shows up, although I'll let you take it, I'm not, I'm not traveling in the time machine. <laughs> I, get, I get seasick. I can't even go on boats. Can you imagine going in a time machine? What, what was the description of the uh, uh, New York Mothman? Uh, very similar, believe it or not, to the Mothman of Point Pleasant. Um, glowing eyes, um, over six feet tall, with a large wingspan, grayish in color. So, it, very similar. But, unfortunately, it was, I think, what, 1912? So, we don't have any pictures. <laughs> but that's typical, though, of cryptids... From that time, though, I mean, uh, you'll have a couple of days worth of sighting. Sometimes it'll stretch out over a month, but rarely. And then it just disappears, and that's it. No more yeah. interest. Yep. It was 1920, um, just a couple days. You know, they, people saw it. It's... Um, was it a bicycle club reported it initially? Uh, they 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 claim they followed it and surrounded it. Um, they also claim you know, like the Mothman of Point Pleasant, it flew straight up. It didn't take off and jump and fly like Superman. It just took straight up off the ground. I'm going to ask you here about sourcing. Was it all from one newspaper or were there many? Um, there were two newspapers that had reported it. Um, They would probably at the time have been 
the Courier Express and probably the Buffalo News. I'd have to re-go and find them again. But there were two papers that had reported it at the time. But they were getting their, their information from each other, I'm sure. The question being, of course, is that if it was one newspaper, and we didn't see this maybe as much after the 19th century, they make up stories just to get circulation. Absolutely. Without question. Um, Because interesting stories sell papers. Sadly, to this day, interesting stories sell papers, whether or not they have proof or not. Look at the whistleblower. Going back to the beginning of the show, it's a great headline. It's a catchy headline. It grabs your attention. But we don't know about the UFO whistleblower, whether this guy is telling the truth or not, or maybe somebody convinced him that something's going on, but he accepted it because he accepted the person who told him this, but he could also be could be fed loads of lies because they know it will get out in the public. I was going to say, wouldn't it be embarrassing? And that's a great way to detract attention from whatever might be going on, if there's something weird going on. Yeah, wouldn't it be embarrassing if we found out later that he believed it, but it was just a big prank that all his coworkers were playing on him for years? Like, let's convince this guy there's all this UFO stuff. (laughs) How embarrassing would that be? Depends on his background. Maybe he's a longtime UFO freak and his fellow employees say, hey, let's pull this. And then, you know, how does he get whistleblower status? Well, as long as he's not revealing anything that's top secret, he can say anything he wants as long as they can't get sued for it. Yeah, and I'd like to see, like you said, if he testifies. I'm not going to say when. Um, but if he testifies, but again, like I said earlier, does it really matter if you're testifying in front of the house or the Senate? Because Rafael Palmero famously said in his testimony, I have never done steroids period. <laughs> I mean, which turned out to be 100% a lie. So you thought I was going to go with another uh, figure testifying lying, didn't you? See, I, I went with the safe route. <laughs> right, but here's a government employee with security clearances. If he's caught lying before Congress, the penalties would be a lot more important yeah, than some does. private person. A private person can say any wacky thing unless it has some material effect on the case or something. It'll be ignored. If that person's a government employee or somebody closely connected to something within the government and is caught lying. Well, there are penalties. Yeah, his, not only is he going to go to jail, but his career is over. His chances of getting another job are, are done. Um, at least any meaningful job. Unless he expects the book and the lecture tour about he was buffaloed into jail to hide the truth about flying saucers. Brian Young, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz, you're in The Podcast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. 
They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on this special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s dot com radio why should i advertise on radio there's nothing to look at no pictures listen you can do things on radio you couldn't possibly do on tv that'll be the day all right watch this okay people and now when i give you the cue i want the 700 foot mountain of whipped cream to roll into lake michigan which has been drained and filled with hot chocolate then the royal canadian air force will fly overhead towing a 10-ton maraschino cherry which will be dropped into the whipped cream for the cheering of 25,000 extras all right cue the mountain Now, you want to try that on television? Well... You see, radio is a very special medium because it stretches the imagination. Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. G'day, I'm Jamel that works with Dr. Joel Wallach and the GCN team with Longevity at teamg'day.com. By becoming an associate, you provide income for you and your family on your own hours while working from home. So contact me, Jamel, by filling in the contact box at teamg'day.com and I will get back to you personally and provide all the support you need to get started and build your longevity business. Teamg'day.com. Teamg'day.com. It's all too obvious. We're being distracted by meaningless news headlines. When you dig to find the truth, you discover that the American way of life is being threatened by the institutions we used to trust. It's easy to see the future holds more food shortages, systematic controls, and government overreach. But instead of throwing up their hands, folks are preparing. They're taking steps to be self-reliant and investing in emergency food storage. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, makes it easy to get started and join the ranks with this limited-time offer. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and get their top-selling four-week emergency food kit. Enjoy tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get new lower pricing this week on these four-week emergency food kits. Secure at least one food kit for each member of your family. They ship free, too. Those who know what's coming are preparing. Smart folks. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. MyPatriotSupply.com This is how we do every day. We be grinding. And if you want to come and test us. If you love them enough to turn off your music. And pretend like their music is your music. Ah, this is Mommy's Jam. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. We'd like to hear from you. 
If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I know folks were going into all sorts of conspiracy theories about this whistleblower. But basically, he's talking about a conspiracy theory of some sort. Something weird going on, that the government knows the secret of UFOs. Then again, we have other people who hinted at something going on there strongly, like the late Senator Harry Reid, who was one of those responsible for the original Pentagon UFO project back in the early 2000s. From his final interviews, this guy struck me as a believer. What do you think, Brian? I think Harry Reid was a believer. I think there's been a lot of believers who think they may have had evidence, seen evidence, or been given evidence whether or not they were. Jackie Gleason was a believer, and he believed Nixon allowed him to get the evidence. Um, Do you think Jackie Gleason was lying, or do you think he really believed that? I think he really believed that. He couldn't produce the evidence that he claimed, but, you know, he believed it. But there have always been whistleblowers. There have always been people in high positions that'll believe weird or wild or wacky or or credible. Um, To say that the government has secret files on UFOs, I I would say that's nearly 100%. Does that mean those files contain information about actual UFOs from other worlds being found? No, but they're investigating things, so of course there's files. I think the senator was was a true believer. I think the senator also couldn't get access to what he wanted and was very distraught about that, which is why he didn't publicly speak about it as much as he probably wanted to. And remember how that worked out. He gets $22 million in government funding. He and the late Senator Stevens from Alaska, he was also involved. And understand, $22 million of the Pentagon budget is like getting three cents yeah. for regular people. It's like getting three cents or less, one penny. So they give him a penny, you know, a favor to Harry Reid. He then calls his pal Bob Bigelow, a friend and I think contributor to his campaigns, and said, okay, you're into this stuff. You go ahead and investigate it. Remember, Bigelow had the contract to do the investigation. He also, for a time, hired MUFON, a supposedly independent UFO group to do investigations for Bob Bigelow, which were financed by the government. You know, we don't mention that. I just wonder how MUFON lived that one down. Well, because there was really no budget. Like you said, they gave him a penny. They said, go buy a candy bar, kid, and look into this, is basically what they said. Right, but we make a big story of it because, ah, it's UFOs. But we would think here... It's a personal favor of course. to Reed and to Senator Stevens and such. Personal favor. We make a big story of it because it'd been so many years that the government has done any official UFO investigation. So here it is. Here's what we've been waiting for. What did it produce? Enough reason to put more money into the Pentagon budget to have a successor organization and another successor organization. We have these sightings, the Tic Tac UFOs, and a lot of them have been explained, but we have some that 
don't seem to have been explained yet, and that's fine. But what have we learned from the Pentagon's UFO study or UAP study? What about NASA's study? What have we learned? I hear crickets. You know what we learned? We learned that the government is very smart in saying, see, we're not hiding anything. We're giving you money to investigate. If we wanted to hide things, we wouldn't be giving you any money to investigate. (laughs) It's PR. And then, like you said, they give this money. Ooh, there's some weirdness. We need more money. And it's just funneling money into it. I, I hate to say that. I, I, I don't even want to come across like I'm, I'm saying that's what happened and it's a conspiracy. But, but I'm saying just it covers all the bases. We're giving you money so you can investigate. We're publicly doing this so we can tell people, look, we're not hiding anything. Nothing's going to come of it. Now, is nothing going to come of it because there's nothing there or is nothing going to come of it because they're not going to really let them see anything? We don't know because no one's ever given us the evidence. No one's ever given us any proof. Well, I'm one of those who thinks that the original Project Blue Book and its predecessor organizations, they were just there to divert the public's attention. There may have been real stuff going on. I still think there was, although there was a lot of test craft, too. But Project Blue Book, by and large, after the original director, Captain Edward Ruppelt, was a public relations organization. Period. Exclamation point. Yeah, I think it was used to distract, um, to deflect. You look at a lot of UFO sightings um, in the early, uh, in, in the 60s and 70s, where people were describing this weird shaped craft. And then years later, all of a sudden, there's the stealth bomber that looks exactly like all these drawings that were being worked on in secret there. You know, and if people are claiming it's UFO sightings, the government's like, oh, we have Blue Book to look into these UFO sightings. It's taken the attention away from the military testing they're doing. So was there weird stuff going on? Absolutely. Did people see weird things flying? Yeah, they saw test flights of, of the stealth bomber 10 years before anybody saw what one looked like. I certainly think even absent the reality of UFOs, which I think is an existing point, that's true. I certainly think a lot of government experimentation has been identified as UFOs, and UFOs have been a very good cover story. It's the perfect cover story uh, because it'll make the UFO people happy and salivate and look into it and read it. It'll make a lot of skeptics when they find out that it wasn't from another planet it was just a ufo military test say see all ufo stuff is garbage into the mainstream it's considered woo woo so they don't take it seriously it's the perfect perfect thing to have an investigation see that's why i think that the whistleblower this whistleblower is a diversion it's he's disinformation okay i mean it's it would not surprise me if he has been set to do this for the reasons that we have discussed previously on the show to distract from what's really going on okay he comes out he tells these stories stories that we have heard for years now i mean even the uh, uh the the alleged um mussolini capturing a ufo i mean i remember reading that back in the uh, uh, uh early 1990s all right so 
it gets people excited, like you said, for a short period of time, but it's it sounds woo-woo. It sounds crazy. And so this will be used as a stepping off point to say, there's nothing here to see, folks. You know, it's all crazy stuff. This guy was proven to just be spinning yarns. And as like Brian said earlier, they'll use that as an excuse to say all of it is crazy. All of it is woo-woo. And is he witting or unwitting? That's a good question we could pursue in our next segment with Brian. Yeah. Gene and Tim, you're in. Yeah, it appeared to cast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. USA News Update. This Sunday morning, Republicans want to get to the bottom of the cocaine situation at the White House. They want answers from the Secret Service next week. Where was the drug found and who brought it there? Oversight Committee Chair James Comer requested a briefing from the head of the agency by the end of the week. The committee wants to look into White House security procedures. The small bag of cocaine was found last Sunday night. I'm Tammy Trujillo. A Florida couple in trouble for leaving their child in a hot car. USA's John Schaefer on the story. A Florida couple has been charged in the death of their 18-month-old daughter. According to prosecutors, the parents left the baby girl strapped in her car seat after returning home from a 4th of July party. The investigation revealed that both Joel and Jasmine Rondon tested positive for marijuana and alcohol, while Joel also tested positive for methamphetamine. Both individuals are facing charges of aggravated manslaughter of a child. And I'm Laura Winters, USA News. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who help people that have been injured or wronged. If you've been involved in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or injured at work, you have rights and you may be entitled to money for your suffering. Don't accept an offer you get from an insurance company until you talk to a lawyer. And we represent some of the best personal injury lawyers you can find. Tough lawyers that will fight to win your case. And they're so good, they stake their reputation reputation on it by only getting paid if you win. So if you've been in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident, or hurt on the job, find out today for free what kind of compensation you may be entitled to. Call the legal helpline right now. 800-509-4492-800-509-4492-800-509-4492-800-509-4492-800-509-4492. That's 800-509-4492. 
I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who help people that have been injured or wronged. If you've been involved in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident, or injured at work, you have rights, and you may be entitled to money for your suffering. Don't accept an offer you get from an insurance company until you talk to a lawyer. And we represent some of the best personal injury lawyers you can find. Tough lawyers that will fight to win your case. And they're so good, they stake their reputation on it by only getting paid if you win. So if you've been in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident, or hurt on the job, find out today for free what kind of compensation you may be entitled to. Call the Legal Helpline right now. 800-524-3810 That's 800-524-3810 Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to The Paracast. If we're wondering whether someone is an unwitting pawn or not, I think Senator Gillibrand is perfectly serious. I think Senator Rubio, her partner on the Republican side, is a pretty serious guy. He doesn't strike me as someone who would go off into woo-woo land. We can argue about his political beliefs, and I have plenty of things to say about that one way or the other. But why would he get involved in UFOs? He's not suddenly going to discover this huge UFO constituency to get him elected as something no that's an interesting that's an interesting point because of all the people that you would think would be chairing this or be on this committee he does not seem like the likely choice from the republican side for me rubio just does not to me come across like the kind of person who would be interested or involved in this type of thing i don't know Maybe it's, and you can't even say so we don't know much about him because he did run for president. He's been a pretty high profile figure for the past, what, eight, nine years. So we've seen a lot of him. He just doesn't fit the bill of the Republican side of this investigation. But, hey, who knows what he's, you know, what he's reading at home. He could be, you know, he's reading, he's reading your books, Tim, when he's at home. <laughs> could very well be. What do you know about Senator Gillibrand? Um, I know that, uh, you know, she's, she's my Senator and I don't know what else I should say. No, there's a lot of things I I disagree with her on, uh, strongly. There's a lot of things I agree with her very strongly on, but one thing is I, 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 I do think she's very serious. I think she's serious in what she says and does. I think she's a little too fast to make judgment calls sometimes. She will, I think she'll jump the gun sometimes because she wants to pull a Joe Friday and get the just the facts without necessarily doing due diligence. As a whole, as my senator, I, I am a fan of her as, as my senator. So uh, that, that I'll say. I don't want to get too political on her in this. Well, I also wonder about two former CIA directors, Brennan and one of his predecessors, both saying essentially the same thing. They think this UFO thing needs to be investigated. Christopher Mellon, who is a former deputy assistant secretary of defense, 
You know, that's a pretty prestigious position, a very serious position. He is very strongly in favor of investigating UFOs, UAPs, etc. Why would this guy come out of the blue and affect his credibility that way? Well, look, Secretary of Defense, absolutely very credible. And if a former Secretary of Defense or current Secretary of Defense were to say this should be looked into, it's something you should take seriously. The the CIA is all about disinformation, so you got to take that with a grain of salt. I'm not saying that they're not being honest or serious, and they're not in the position anymore, so it's not like that's their job anymore. But I I don't know. Um, As far as this whistleblower... I'm still on the fence whether if he is um, set up for this, if this was a disinformation attack, I I don't think he's witting. I think he's unwitting. I I don't think he knows it was set up as disinformation. I think judging by what I've seen and what I've read of his statements, I think he believes what he's saying. Let's go back to CIA directors. It's really interesting if we go back to the history. Of course, we know John Brennan was head of the CIA from 2013 through 2017. The other figure who also got involved in this from February 5th, 1993 to January 1995, R. James Woolsey, also says UFOs should be investigated. Then we go back to the first director of the CIA when it became the CIA, Rear Admiral Roscoe Hillencotter. Admiral Hillencotter not only believed in UFOs, believed in their reality, he was a member of the Board of Governors of one of the early large UFO groups, NICAP. First CIA director when it became the CIA. He was also, by the way, a classmate of Major Donald Kehoe, a UFO believer and disclosure advocate and author of books. But still, somebody in that position taking a positive view about UFO reality and two other CIA directors saying we need to investigate this, that's got to be a little interesting. Well, look, CIA, Central Intelligence Agency, first and foremost, they are protecting the United States through intelligence. So how does that impact UFO investigations? Why would that matter? You know, we're looking for our enemies. We're looking to see what the Russians are up to, what the Chinese are up to, what the Iranians are up to. We've got spies across the world doing stuff. Why should we care about UFOs if we are one of these people? Because if UFOs are a fact, we're going to want to know what other countries know about them, what other countries have knowledge of, if they're dealing with them, if they have any more information, what the technology is, who has access to that technology. I mean, those are important things. Even if it's if it's this totally benign, you know, if, if it if it's if it's elf, if it's the furry mm-hmm. alien from that TV show show who comes here, it's gonna be important to the CIA who has that information because that's technology we don't have. We don't want that in someone else's hands. So yeah, I think the CIA, whereas they will be masters of, of, of disinformation because that's part of their job as an intelligence agency and that's, you know, we need them to be. I think they are concerned because even if there's a .0001% chance of this being real, we better friggin' know about it is, I think, their attitude. 
Rear Admiral Hillencotter struck me, though, as the kind of person who 100% believed something strange was going on. It's possible with Woolsey and Brennan, it was a lesser percentage. But they don't have to put their prestige on the line for this. They can just as well shut up and not talk about it. Why go on the line? Why would people like Hillary Clinton make positive comments about it? Why would even Obama? We never, it's interesting here, and it struck me as kind of strange. So Hillary Clinton appears during the 2016 election campaign for president on some all-night shows saying she wants the government to investigate UAPs. Okay? John Podesta, one of the Clinton aides and worked with Obama, also was very positive about UFOs. But during 2016, we have Donald Trump saying, crooked Hillary, crooked Hillary. She's crazy. She's wacky. But when she talked about UFOs, he didn't say anything. No. Well, if he did, (laughs) show me the statement. Well, keep in mind uh, how much faith you're going to put into crooked Hillary. Crooked Hillary is him actually using it as fact-based for anything. Well, he did that, of course, um, to give a person a name. You know, you have yeah, to have little Marco, Rubio. little Marco Rubio. Little Marco Rubio. Low-energy whatever. And then you have crooked Hillary. Lock her up. Lock her up. But you'd think with UFOs, you could say lock her up in the insane asylum. Well, yeah. Shouldn't someone call him Mr. I Bankrupt Two Casinos, Trump? <laughs> I mean, that'd be. A good I don't thing. want to get into the politics. Believe me, I don't want to get into that. I'm just <laughs> saying that it seems strange that of all the subjects he comments on, he talks about everything. He never got into that. Never came to his attention, and never no, said because- anything super negative about UFOs. I mean, he made some benign comments, but nothing super incendiary, which is strange. I mean, there's some issues about this that don't make a lot of sense. First of all, former Secretary Clinton is no idiot. She's a lawyer. She's served as Secretary of State. She's been a U.S. Senator. She's no idiot, whatever you think of her politics. And she takes it seriously, but we've got more to come with Gene, Brian, Tim, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about 
Paracast Plus. Are you curious about what might be missing from your diet and supplement choices? Take a free health assessment to identify your possible nutrient deficiencies. As a certified holistic health coach, I will help you assess and prioritize a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL-90. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthrodex for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Seven million children suffer from asthma more than any other chronic disease. Most asthma attacks are caused by allergic reactions to allergens, including those left behind by cockroaches and mice. In fact, 82% of U.S. households contain mouse allergens, and cockroaches are found in up to 98% of urban homes. How can you protect your family? Find out at PestWorld.org. A message from the National Pest Management Association and the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. What kind of help does the IRS have for identity theft victims? If you suspect you're a victim of tax-related identity theft, go to irs.gov slash identity theft to learn how to prevent potential refund fraud and protect your tax account. At the IRS, combating tax-related identity theft is a top priority, and we are committed to prevention, detection, and assisting victims, and we're working with law enforcement to catch the criminals. For more info, go to irs.gov slash identity theft to learn what the IRS is doing to help protect you. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline. Airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 802-341-4535. 802-341-4535. That's 802-341-4535. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Obviously, former President Clinton, Jimmy Carter saw a UFO, but once he became president, it all disappeared. It's true. Carter's UFO story is is, is quite well-known, quite famous. Most of our presidents... Ronald Reagan was into some things that a lot of people would say is pretty woo-woo. You don't say that to the typical Reagan voter because they don't know that. But, you know, they don't know that he was into astrology and esotericism and occultism, which he was. He was a strong proponent and quite good friend of Manly P. Hall and would have 
private sessions with him when he was in California. Bill Clinton was, whether you say he was a believer or a skeptic who was willing to investigate, definitely. Um, Hillary Clinton, same thing. Whether or not she believed or she just believed that, as any good skeptic should, things are worth looking into. And if the evidence is there, follow it. I, I believe a lot of people said, well, if there was anything, Trump would leak it. But I don't think Trump cared whether or not it was true. So it was never on his radar. He just didn't didn't care, which, which is which is fine. I mean, what say what you want about him. It's, if it's a topic he just didn't care about, then he didn't care about it. And that's the way Trump rolls. If Trump doesn't care, Trump doesn't care. It doesn't get addressed. And I would think also if there was something to tell him, they would if they had to. But otherwise, there was no need to read him in. If there was something real going on within the bowels of the government about UFOs, black projects, whatever, he would not be someone they would reach out to. No. And like I said, I don't think he would look into it, not out of necessarily ignorance or, you know, some people would say it was stupid for him not to look if he was like, no, I don't buy that at all. I just think Trump's brain works very different than a lot of politicians. Trump really only cares about what Trump cares about. We all know that about him. Us in New York have known that about him for 50 years. That's the way he's built. By the way, even if you are a fan of Trump, you can't deny that. that He's very single-minded about what he follows. And so if UFOs are not on his radar for whatever reason, he will never talk about it. I think if he was interested enough, and because of the fact that he wanted to show many ways of having a political advantage to his opponents, particularly Clinton, he would have said something. But again, it was not on his radar. I still think, however, that something where it's going on, I want to go back to Nixon and Jackie Gleason. Jackie Gleason had a huge library of unusual books there. I heard him in the early days on the Long John Nebel radio show, where he came on there and he was a smart, solid, skeptical inquirer. Where is this story come from that Nixon showed him proof of UFO reality, alien bodies, that sort of thing? Where's that come from? Gleason said it himself. He would say that on talk shows. That, not that it was Nixon, but that, you know, Nixon got him permission to go places. Jackie was very serious about UFOs. He really believed he was very interested. Uh, I don't think it was as so much just a fanatical believer as, like you said, a very good skeptic. I wonder what happened to his collection of books, by the way. Be interesting to find out. Tim, wasn't Tim Beckley in touch with Gleason's widow? Yes, yes. And it was Gleason's widow who filled in the details on what actually uh, happened. You know, because like Brian said, you know, Gleason for years had hinted around that he had had the opportunity to see some things that generally wasn't permitted, and after he passed away, then his widow came forward and said, well, what he was talking about was that Nixon, and they were golf buddies and knew each other quite well, had taken him one time to some Air Force base in Florida, I can't remember which one it was, and showed him some kind of secret facility there where there were alien bodies allegedly uh, being kept. Okay, we get back to the question here. Again, Gleason's not a dummy. 
He's a smart guy, very inquisitive. Where does this come from? Why would anybody care to show him something if there wasn't something behind it, that he's going to run around and say, I'm a UFO believer now? I, I think it, it stems from the fact that he was golf buddies with Nixon. And he probably, look, if, if I had access to play golf with a world leader, you damn well I'd be asking questions about things I'm interested in going, I know you can't tell me this, but nod your head if this is true. <laughs> type of thing. <laughs> and, and I think that's where it stemmed from with Gleason and Nixon. So, hey, hey Dick, uh, tell me, are there, uh, the, these ships, are they real? Come on, Dick, you know, probably persistently <laughs> for years until Nixon said, I'll show you something. Whether or not he did... And um, I've heard it described as he seen uh, he was shown at this Air Force Base some um, technologies that were quote unquote not of this earth or not known technologies. There may have been bodies, but I mean I don't even think he claimed they were he could clearly see them, the bodies. But who knows where it came from? I think Gleason was interested, and if I were Jackie Gleason, I'd have probably been asking Nixon every time we we every time we got to the the. Uh, the ninth tee, I'd be going. So this uh, this uh, Area Fifty One. Tell me what's going on here, Richard. <laughs> right, but I don't think Nixon was the kind of person to put anybody on. I don't think no. that was on his radar. I mean, lying, yes, as a politician, but I can't see him placating his golf buddy in this fashion. It doesn't seem to fit with his personality. I mean, we had stories also of Eisenhower showing off alleged bodies to some people. That still doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think if there wasn't something there, Gleason would not have said it. He had no reason to, no motive to. It's not like his TV ratings would go up if he said, I saw evidence of UFOs. They might go down. Well, not only that, by the time he was saying these things, Gleason was a semi-retired legend. So he didn't have to worry about it. All he had to worry about was his celebrity golf tournaments, his occasional movie role, and, um, you know, living the life of a legend. He had nothing to lose. He had nothing to gain. He didn't do it for popularity or notoriety either. Um, let's face it, like you said, if anything, it would hurt him more than it would help him. By people saying, did you see Gleason? Thinks then we always thought Art Carney was the weird one. <laughs> Turns out Jackie's the odd one, you know? But if that is anything, it shows him to be credible. That he definitely, honestly saw something strange, and he's talking about it. And the person who allegedly showed him this is not the kind of person who has any reputation for putting people on like that. That's still a mystery to me. Or he saw something he couldn't explain. And, and there's a difference. You know, he could have been shown... Devil's advocate, sake of argument. They weren't even talking about UFOs. He's playing golf with Nixon, and Nixon says, hey, you should come out and see some of the stuff we're working on. It's really cool, but it's top secret, so kind of keep the lid on it. And he takes him to some like military facility where they're testing things. So do we assume then that maybe he made assumptions, and that's it? Possibly. There you go. Brian Young, tell our listeners that they need to know more about the things you do. Where do they check you out? They can check me out uh, at the Transatlantic History Ramblings podcast. That's Transatlantic History Ramblings, available on all podcast platforms, hosted by myself and the wonderful Lauren Davies out of Swansea, UK. 
USA. Me, Brian Young in the USA, her in the UK. That's the primary place to, to, to hear me regularly. Other than that, uh, you can follow me on Facebook, but Brian Young's a pretty tough name to f- narrow down to one person because there's a million of us. Right. We can be found on Twitter for the Paracast. Check the Paracast on Facebook. Join up with our Paracast store at theparacast.store and buy branded merchandise for Paracast listeners. Check out the Paracast Plus at theparacast.plus where you get this show without the network ads and the After the Paracast podcast featuring extended discussions. And that's where Brian Young will return to talk more about things, okay? Go to theparacast.plus, get this, use the coupon code UFO20, UFO20, to get a 20% discount on a five-year or lifetime subscription, theparacast.plus. Brian Young, thank you for joining us on The Paracast. Thank you so much for having me. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.